even if a young female is strong and courageous and has that and has the knowledge and is beautiful when they move forward if the environment around them doesn't support them it doesn't mean anything they'll mm -hmm. probably eventually give up because mm -hmm. it's just too hard so you got to find the people that are going to support your mission and your vision and your love and your passion and if you have those people, it doesn't matter what society says, you can do anything. Providing inspiration and community for women in business of Middle Tennessee, this is Powered by Her with Tiffany Welcome to Power Biker. I am Tiffany Anton and I have Kyle Hughes in today and we recorded last week's episode and you can kind of hear the intro and your story and the respect, unity, spirit and heart behind what you do. But today we're going to talk kind of more specifically about women and girls in STEM. Kyle Hughes here today. Kyle. Hi. Hi. It's nice to be back. <laughs> it's nice to be back. Um, if you want to know more about her story, I encourage you to go back to last week's episode and listen to that. Let's take a minute to thank our partners real quick. We're adding a Life of Plenty Picks, a recommended read from Plenty, the downtown bookshop, with a mission to help your business thrive. Today's read is a new one called Personality Isn't Permanent by Benjamin Hardy, about breaking free from limiting self-belief so you can write your own story. Take one home and support the nonprofit downtown bookshop, helping you shape your life of plenty. Head over to plentybookshop.com to order this and any other books today. When selling your home, you want to be sure that you are going to get top dollar. Don't let her good looks fool you. Sabrina Brazel can be a bulldog for her clients. Having a great agent and market expert on your side to navigate the tricky business of selling your home is key. Sabrina Brazel with The Realty Firm works tirelessly to meet the needs of her sellers to make sure that you get top dollar. Give Sabrina a call at 931-319-3812 when you're ready to sell your home or property. So I'm going to start with the fact that you and I both went to the same um, college, mm -hmm. Michigan Tech University, and it was, you, you were probably there maybe 20-ish years before I was, mm -hmm. and it was very, very, it was an engineering, it is an engineering school, um, and very male-dominated yep. school that we went to. Um, when I was there, when I started, the men-to-women ratio was seven to one. Okay. Do you have any idea what it was when you were there? Um, I think... I think we used to joke that it was maybe 11 to 1. Mm -hmm. We That would be a joke because... Um, I bet you what? I mean... Yeah. At least that. Yeah. And they used to say that they, there's always jokes about, you know, if you wanted to get married, don't go to Michigan Tech because you're not going to find your your wife up there, and then I would smile and say, I say the same thing because there's no yeah. one here I'd marry. And yeah. then here I ended up marrying my husband yes. from Michigan Tech. Yeah, but. well, I used to say, people would say, so for those people who are listening that are not from the state of Michigan, Michigan Tech is located in the Upper Peninsula mm -hmm. on Lake Superior, so it is basically Canada. People would say, do you like snow? And I'd say, well, I like boys. <laughs> and so <laughs> that was my um, comeback to that. Um, and people would always joke around that women that went up there were going for their MRS degree. Correct. My choice to go to someplace like Michigan Tech, I'm sure you had some influence on that. But also I think I just, I did like math and science because I like knowing there's a right and a wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I went up there because back in 81 when I graduated from high school, I was a smart kid. Girls, there were only a few of us that were in the top, you know, 10, 20 of our class. And everyone would say to me, well, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And with that little 
twang at the end. And I would look at them and say, I don't know, I'm going to go. I, I thought I had to go into medicine or be a vet. I mm -hmm. thought those are the two only two options I had. For quote unquote smart girls. For smart girls. And so I wanted a, a, I wanted a tough school. I wanted a school that would challenge me, but I didn't want the size of a U of M or I didn't want a big school. And I needed to get out of Mount Pleasant because Central Michigan University was there. Mm -hmm. So I needed to get away from that school. So, and, and there's nothing wrong with Central. It's just I lived there and I was a, I was a townie, so you, you need to get out. My sister was up at Michigan Tech and that was one of the guiding forces that got me there. I didn't know what an engineer was stepping foot on campus. Yeah. I had no idea. Were I you going to major in math at the time? No, you... I was I was pre-med. Oh, okay. So I went up and then I found out every Wednesday night in Zoo Lab, I was nauseated leaving Zoo Lab and I didn't know if it was the smell of the stuff that we were looking at. And then I realized, I realized this about 10 years ago, that I would get vertigo. I couldn't understand why every time I looked under a microscope, I was like nauseated leaving the, the meme building. And so I, I, I said to myself, how can you be a doctor? How can you be a vet if you can't look under a microscope? Every time I did, I was sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. The next easiest thing for me was math. At Michigan Tech, you don't get a teaching degree nope. or an education degree. You get a math, I, I got a mathematics degree as you got a mathematics degree and then I got an education certification. Is that how it was? So I got an applied mathematics degree without education at Michigan Tech and then was a computer software person for two years. I was a coder for two years. And long story, quit my job, went to Mexico to be a tennis pro, <laughs> and then I came back. I and, forgot you played tennis. <laughs> and, then, um, and then I ended up going back, after my husband and I got married, he knew I wanted to be a teacher at this point. Went back to school and got my t teaching degree in math and computer science. Did you feel at all like, I'm, I'm settling into, this female dominated because I think you're somebody who likes to break the glass ceiling you like to be the strong female you're you can be a little intimidating sometimes yes <laughs> <laughs> well I know that w w let's let's start out with a name like Kyle yeah most people thought I was a male walking in the room Mm -hmm. So I would get that all the time. I, I can't tell, for the number of times I would get, especially not so much today because people are more politically correct. 40 years ago, you know, I, I remember walking into a conference and this guy looks at me and he goes, you're a girl? And I just looked at him like, the number of things that flashed through my head to say, and I just sat there and said, don't say it. I said, yes, can I have my name badge, please? Well, and I think the thing is, too, is, you know, 40 years ago, you're a woman, you're an adult woman, mm -hmm. and then, you know, you're in these male-dominated places, and people look at you as a, a, a girl. A girl. You know, and right. and that do, there is some meaning behind woman versus right. girl. Yeah, so I, I was, when I was a tennis pro, I was the only female on the southwest side of, the, of Michigan for many years. And, and like people would look at me like, oh, we have a girl teaching tennis here? When I became a teacher, I ended up teaching with some other men that are, are wonderful, that appreciate me for who I am, not what gender I am. Actually teaching, you know, AP calculus, people kind of do a double take because that's not what they expected when they first saw me. And usually when I say that, they go, oh, well, then you're really smart. And it's like, well, I, you know, I don't understand. And they're looking at me more of like the girl part being really smart. Right. 
Uh, but no, the, uh, no man that teaches a calculus class would is, they think is really smart. I would almost think a man that teaches a calculus class would be looked at even to even in this day maybe a little bit is like oh you could you could have gone and done all these things right. and yet you're <laughs> stepping down to be a teacher. Yep. Oh, I get that all the time too. Yeah. Yeah. But then and then to be the robotics coach you know, the head coach of a, an amazing world-renowned team, and then to go one step further and to be the female coach on the field, uh, it's been a journey. Mm -hmm. It's been a journey. When I first started, I can't tell you how many men would look at me and then ask for the coach, mm -hmm. and I'd say, I'm the coach. Now, after 27 years, they come to me and ask me questions. Mm -hmm. I, I had someone ask me a question at, at a tournament this year, and it just kind of made me giggle because... I was like, well, the old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. You know, yeah. it, there, there's a change in dynamics because of respect, but I think that's because I'm one of the elders now. Do you think when you started going in 27 years ago, I'm sure there, there was not very many women at all that were in the pits is what it's called. So it's kind of where you work on your robot and, you, you know, people are wearing their safety glasses and drilling and doing electrical things and all that kind of stuff. You're probably one of the only female in there at all. How has that progression been over the 27 years? So first of all, I have to say that I couldn't do any of this without my husband. Which, so. which I think is very important with women. Sometimes I think women want to feel like they have to be independent and they feel like they have to stand on their own and, and they're less than if they have support from males. But most of us have support from males in some way or another, right. whatever it is. And he, his, his pledge in life is to be my wingman. And, and to allow me to drive, you know, drive the plane while mm -hmm. he's keeping an eye out for my back. And, and he does that. He supports me in so many ways. But he allows me to, to shine. He allows me, he encourages me on days when I come home and I say, I quit, that's it. You know, he puts my Band-Aids on and then says, pushes me right back out the door and says, now go. Somebody told me one time that I should, what I need to find in a, a partner was like a politician's wife. So, you know, the politician that stands there and looks pretty and supports them and makes sure their bow tie is on right and all that, you know, and pushes them out. And I, I think when you're a stronger woman, that not that Dennis would appreciate being called a politician's <laughs> wife. He might, he is. though. I mean, he is. He did not. Um, and he would laugh about it a little bit. I hope he is listening right now and he's <laughs> laughing at this. But I think that when you're a strong woman, you kind of do need that. Mm -hmm. Like, you need the person to understand that when you shine, you perform at your best. Right. And sometimes that feels not okay. Sometimes yeah. that's hard to kind of like balance that yeah. we kind of go through. I've been very, I've been very blessed. He's, he's, he's never questioned. If anything, he questions when I say I want to quit. Yeah. And he's, I think, getting a little nervous now because I, I have said, what about when I retire? I'm going to retire. Yeah. He's already retired. So now his new day job description has, has been even more supportive. Yeah. <laughs> so how have you seen over the years have women changing kind of the roles of I mean I would imagine that you've seen a lot more women on Absolutely. the field and coaching and working in the pit do you think it's where it needs to be so interesting question I know that first works really hard on trying to um, on equity and inclusion and trying to get more girls and trying to get more minorities and people who don't have opportunities so they and those opportunities come from financial opportunities but also sometimes and this is what people I think struggle with is that 
if you don't see somebody doing what you're doing, right. that is so important. Right. That's a huge opportunity where you think, I don't deserve a seat at that table because no one else like at that table that looks, looks like, like me. me. Yep. So I think that's one of the reasons why I'm not ready to go yet is I know that there are girls. I've, I've had women and I've had girls come to me multiple times and say thank you because they they know they belong. So yes, over 27 years, I do think that I have been able to lead some sort of a strange parade to get more girls involved. I noticed that the last probably five years, it actually has been a challenge for me because I communicate very well with males. My, my life is a male-dominated uh, world. And sometimes when there's women on the field, all of a sudden I'm like, ooh, wow, who, who takes charge? Who, who, like, you know, because I have no problem walking into a team of, of three and saying, okay, look, this is what the data says. And the men listen to me now. Didn't always be this yeah. way. Before I would, I would go and fight. I think I was really spunky and, and perky. And now I'm, I'm, I suppose, like a fine wine because I've aged enough to know, you know, when I can say what I can say. I think when you're a young, strong female, you feel like you have to... Proving yourself. Yeah, you have to prove yourself. In all honesty, often young, strong female come across as bitches, mm -hmm. <laughs> for lack of a better way to say it. And so, but it comes from a good place. Mm -hmm. We're trying to kind of pave the way for others. Um, but but it, it does take some refining and mm -hmm. it does take some understanding when to step forward and when to step back and when to let others lead and when to take the charge. And what, what advice can you give people that are kind of young women that are in male-dominated areas? So the first thing that I would say is don't let anyone tell you what you can and cannot do. That would be my first words of wisdom. And this is, this is what I usually tell the girls after we've played together. I turn to them and I tell them how proud I am of what they've done. And I said, keep your eyes on the stars and don't let anyone tell you you can or can't do anything. And the other one is fail faster. Fail faster, learn more, focus and execute. Because we as females are very deliberate about the steps that we take. We're not haphazard. We don't just jump in. We put our toe in the water to go, hmm, is it worth jumping in or isn't it? We do a lot of a lot of analysis before we move forward, at least from what I've seen. I think that they need to be able to push a little bit faster. Don't just stand there and put your foot in or your toe in. Put your damn knees in. You know, I, get, get in water further so that you can say, all right, now I can make a good decision, not just a, ooh, will that hurt? Yeah, I was watching a video and it was talking about a teacher that was teaching coding. And she had a female student and a male student. And the male student had all this code and said, hey, where did I go wrong? What do I do? And she went up to the female student after about 20 minutes, had no code written down. And she, it but, but she went back and she could see all the edits and she had the female had some there but kept erasing it because they second guessed themselves and they weren't going to show that it wasn't perfect and that, mm -hmm. that, that they were trying and it was the wrong try. And so I think that fail faster is something that probably women might struggle with a little bit more is that we it look makes us look or feel weak when we fail. So who wants right. to show that they're failing? Fail faster is definitely a business concept that you know we kind of encourage all the time. So you also teach math. I was a high school math teacher and I would have these parents come in and say, well, they, I have this math thing, I hate math. I, and that's kind of why I wanted to go into teaching math because I knew that people hated it, that people have all this math anxiety. I wanted to make it 
I wanted to do it in a different way. I wanted to make it not so scary and not and understand that anybody could do math mm-hmm. because I truly believe it's just in the delivery and the way you're being taught and the way you're learning. And you are in a different situation. So you teach at a STEM-specific school. Mm-hmm. So it's a math and science academy that's a subset of a, a public high school. And it started when you started be 20, 30 years ago. It was a collective of seven school mm-hmm. public schools that all went to one school. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where our paths started crossing. So so people are kind of interested in, in math and science anyway when they're coming to you. But I'm sure you still get people, and especially, well, do you see it more with, with girls than boys that they kind of have that math anxiety of like I probably I'm not, I would never be one of your calc students because I'm I couldn't get to that point. Do you see that more? So what I don't see I don't see that so much. What I see is the number of girls that apply to our program and how small it is. In mm. our ninth grade program right now, we have 22 kids and four of them are girls. Mm. And that's a terrible ratio. Mm-hmm. So my question is what's happening? Where are these girls? And that's frustrating to me. When I was when I taught in Detroit, I had the same comments that you had, you know, well, I didn't do any very well in math, and that's that explains this grade. I think when I became a teacher before, when I started taking my teacher classes, I remember telling my mom, because I was a grad assistant at CMU, and I remember telling my mom that I couldn't believe the highest level of math that elementary teachers in Michigan had to take was what they called 055 math. And this level of math was, like, not even algebra one. Mm-hmm. Now I understand teaching in elementary you don't need algebra and calculus. I understand that but I was teaching this class and these people that were taking this class couldn't even do that and I remember coming home and I said to my mom one day and I had children were far on my you know my horizon and I turned to my mom and I said mom these people could be my children's teachers. How are my children going to know math? And so for me, I said, I got to do something. And like you, I, I needed to figure out how could I, you know, it's like vegetables. How can I trick them to yeah, like it? Yeah. How can I trick them to enjoy math? And now my pride is that the, the students that leave that say math was their favorite subject leaving the program. You know, I want to apply what, why are we learning this anyway? And there's a lot of data that says that uh, in the elementary levels, if a student kind of misses math one year, they can still catch up. If hmm. they miss it two years in a row, they're pretty much out. They're mm-hmm. done. So they won't be able to ke- catch up later. And I find that a horrible statistic. You know, first of all, who are these kids that they found and then didn't fix them? Right. Um, but to me, I want to do in my math class, I, I come up with my own little phrases. I, you know, we name, we name laws after, you know, theorems after students in the class. It's, I am, I am so non-traditional that if a traditional teacher came into my classroom, they'd probably be appalled at the fact that I call, you know, adding fractions, Otis, so it is. And it's just a little picture. We used to call it triple boom boom, but yeah, we, we, changed, yeah. we changed it because I was afraid parents were going to call me. Um, I do think <laughs> it was in your class, I think it was an extra credit project, where we made videos. Two videos. Yeah. And I don't remember, one was like on Moses and it was like some <laughs> law, like I, I need to go find them. I'm going to go find those. Yes. Um, the other was the chain girl. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I wore a clown costume 
and we were doing the chain roll for calculus. Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure, I didn't do it this year, but I do have it on DVD. Oh gosh. <laughs> I may have to post that, post that yes, and it'll go viral we, with all yeah, of your listeners. We need to um, post a clip of that on social media. But I mean, I was the girl in third grade that I wanted to beat the boy at the multiplication speed right. tables that we did and stuff like that. But I think part of it too was like once I got into a program like this where I saw there were different ways to kind of fill those gaps of the people who thought, I can't do this. It's like, well, math can be applied in other ways of your life than just sitting down and taking a test. One of the other projects we had done, it was for a physics class here. We made a a coffee, a Rube Goldberg coffee. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had to make a a cup of coffee, which we had a parent that helped us. But (laughs) (laughs) don't take away my high school diploma. Um, (laughs) So... I just, so so the fact that you only had you know four in this incoming yes. class, what what do you think is happening that's making that still the case? We're still missing it. There's something there's something going on that we are missing. Uh, we ran a camp this past week on girls in engineering. Basically, it was additive and subtractive engineering. Maybe I called it the wrong thing. We only had three girls show up. Mm-hmm. But my rush girls needed to run the camp. So I ran it anyway with these three girls. And my rush girls had a, an amazing time. Mm-hmm. And it's additive and subtractive engineering. So we did Tinkercad, which is a kindergarten type 3D modeling. And then they printed off uh, the 3D printers. And then we got into Adobe, which is a a massive uh, software and then they went to the laser cutter and what they made is they made Zen gardens mm-hmm. so they they 3d printed their Zen garden and then they put a sign in that had a quote that they liked and and then they had to put little props in and we they had to make their rake so they had a they had a 3d design a rake to put in it and we've then we've come along we used to do calculator animations when yes. I was in school so we've come a long way Big from that. changes <laughs> so what I'm trying to do is to show the girls that any girls that are even looking you don't have to be you know a nuclear engineer to be able to do these things. What encouragement can you give to women who are like, I don't want to go into engineering because I, especially when you're a good looking female and you walk into a male dominated room or whatnot and and you're treated like eye candy or you're treated like the dumb blonde Mm -hmm. or what are you, how are you supposed to handle those situations? People will shy away from STEM just because they don't want to deal with the crappy men that are in those situations. Right. I was, I was raised in an environment that my mother would tell me, because my parents were divorced when I was very small, my mom was a very strong, bold, wonderful, she's still alive, she's 90 years old, she's amazing, and she would say to me, you know, Kyle, don't get frustrated, because, see, I got frustrated because men wouldn't listen to me, mm-hmm. and she'd say, don't get frustrated, you just need to, you need to approach them as you should approach your father. And I was like, and? And she said, at some point you have to make a decision. Is what you want more important than getting credit for it? Mm. And if you want credit, oh, you, you, might be, you might be fighting up, you know, you may not get what you want at all. Yeah. And then you get zero. And so I remember taking that to heart. And then I knew that if I needed something or wanted something, I could talk to my dad in a way that it was his idea and then I got what I wanted, but I never got credit for anything I was doing. You know, that, that was a survival skill for me mm-hmm. because I want to be a strong female in this world, but every, everywhere I went, I was in a male-dominated 
field mm -hmm. that made me strong. And if I'm, if I believe in what I'm talking about, I'm passionate and I'm going to, just like you, I'm competitive <laughs> and I'm going to fight the fight to, to make the point and to win. If I walked into a room of engineers or, or robotics coaches and I didn't believe in what I there, I wouldn't say a thing. Yeah, I'm not gonna put myself out there. I'm not gonna say it. And if they look at me, I'm just gonna kind of smile and look cute because yeah. that's how I was raised. Yeah, and that's 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 that was a survival mechanism in order to make it through life. I've seen changes, and I think there's initiatives to change girls and women in STEM and and male-dominated career paths. But I think at the ultimate heart of everything is that when you're you're choosing kind of how you want to build your life. And I'm really a big advocate of like building the life you want to live is really just figuring out what it is that's going to tap into your passions and your heart. And so I think mm -hmm. for me, sometimes uh, if you're like you said, you were good at math and science or you were the smart, quote unquote, smart girl. And, and so it was like pre-med and that's what you had to do. But I think you you realize and luckily you were able to tap into that looking through a microscope was not your your jam right. but i think so often people will just push you know hey you're good at writing you need to go into english right. well there's also technical fields that are really good that have writing that right. you know if that's what you want to do and so i think really kind of that I actually, my business plan is that I'm going to buy a, a private island and I'm going to make everybody from the ages of 18 to 28 go live on this island. You can't go to college. You can't get married. You just have to like learn yourself. And I think it's going to be a big hit. I think everyone's going to love this. Um, Don't they have some shows like that on probably, TV right now? Probably, but those, all, those are all like people trying to, you know, find their mate and stuff. This isn't about that. This is about finding you. And I just think like we don't take enough time right. in that time to really figure out like what, you know, okay, you want, you, you do like, you're female and you like math and science and this is a male dominated place. What can we do to support you, you know, to know that you have a seat at that table, even though people might not look at, right. look like you. And so I think there's just a lot um, of the older generation things that we can do to kind of help um, foster the changes that are occurring and, and still need to change. Well, and also you have to remember that even if a young female is strong and courageous and has that and has the knowledge and is beautiful when they move forward if the environment around them doesn't support them it doesn't mean anything they'll mm -hmm. probably eventually give up because mm -hmm. it's just too hard and so i guess another word of wisdom might be find that support system around you because that support you know i couldn't do what i do without my husband he is my backbone he supports me and when i crumble he puts me back together and says go again i mean he's not there talking to these men telling them what i know but he's behind me pushing me mm -hmm. all the way yeah. into the conversation yeah. so you got to find the people that are going to support your mission and your vision and your love and your passion and if you have those people, it doesn't matter what society says. You can do anything. Yeah. But again, our society needs to allow these yeah. girls to be able to do it. And I think it's hard, too, because you could have an old-fashioned, you know, you could have an old-fashioned teacher in the elementary school, and there extinguishes, and I say old-fashioned like my age, uh, and that may extinguish all the dreams that these little ones have. Mm -hmm no matter what sex they are, to do whatever they want to do. I also want to say that, uh, Tiffany, it's been a long time that I've known you, 
and I'm just so proud of you and well, what you've done. You. you are are just you're an amazing role model to me. I appreciate that. There are definitely times where I feel like, because when I was 18, so much of, of you really influenced my senior year of high school um, and where I was going and kind of the career path I was on. And um, I'm not on that same career path, but I always kind of want to make sure that you're proud. And so <laughs> I always um, kind of think, I wonder if she sees what I'm doing. I wonder if she, you know, if I cross her, her mind sometimes. You're like a, an ex-boyfriend from, from high school. But, um, as we're sitting here with tears in our eyes. But I really appreciate that, and I appreciate what the influence you've had on me and just the impact you've had, I, I'm sure, on so many young females. And Thank you. um, kind of what the impact that you've made has been pretty incredible. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Powered by Her. Head over to PoweredByHerCommunity.com to learn more and join our community. We'll see you again next week.